This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to Talking Halos. This is Derek C. Paul, my co-host John Crane. Oh boy, coming to you on a Sunday night after a series that broke a lot of hearts. Angels dropped three out of four to the lowly Baltimore Orioles. Nobody, I think, saw this coming. Both myself and Josh Sirota on the previous podcast predicted the other way around, three out of four of the Angels. But something bit the Angels on Thursday night, Friday night. Saturday night, and even a little bit today, and that is pitching. Pitching caught up to this team, and it caught up in a horrible way. But it was salvaged a little bit. Matt Dice, game-winning home run today, gives the Angels a 5-4 win. They take one. John, you were there for the big marathon on Thursday night. Are you sleep-recovered yet? (laughs) Yeah, but my, my heart's not recovered. That was just... It's hard to put a, a a nice bow on this weekend. There's there's it's really hard to put a bow on this weekend. Um, yeah, we stayed there the entire time. God bless my wife. She usually and she actually had her own car because I think I've mentioned before that she proposed to me that we go to games in separate cars sometimes so she can leave when she wants. But she, we had separate cars and we both stayed till the bloody end of that game. And um, yeah, it's that really set the tone. I, I had a pretty busy weekend off, not regarding the Angels. So that really set my tone the whole week, the whole weekend. Whenever I thought about the Angels was that. And then and then they, you know, anyways, here we are. We got a win today. Matt Dice. We did. Also on the show today, we have Tiger SRD's Chris Brown to preview the Detroit Tigers with us later on in the show. Hopefully, well, I actually, you know what? I'm not even going to make any predictions this time. I was just saying, that's him. a team we're going to beat, right, Derek? That's a team <laughs> we're going to beat. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. You can laugh or you can cry. I'm choosing to laugh, but I cry off the air. (laughs) Somebody actually messaged me on my personal Twitter and asked if you're going to be okay. (laughs) I was being, you know, see, I I, I don't even think you know me that well, Derek, but I, I am, I am a sarcastic guy. I'm funny. I tweeted that I was on the way home from the game. I said, I'm, I'm driving home with tears of frustration in my eyes. It was a total, I'm being sarcastic. Yeah, I got some feedback from some people. Like one guy, oh man, you're too much. You know, you're too much of a fat guy. And da, da, da. I was like, I was being totally sarcastic. Um, I don't I don't think I have cried when the Angels have lost. I don't think I have. Uh, well, I, anyway, that's, I, I did write back and say, you're fine, you're chill. That you actually yeah, had no, no real I'm, expectations I'm a, on the rest I'm of the year. I'm a very sarcastic guy. So, uh, and my tweets tend to be that. And, uh, you know, and like the, but not the Griffin Canning one. And it wasn't an attack on Griffin Canning. It was just saying that, you know, what we're going to talk about today. I, I have done a 180 from the last podcast we did. I have done a 180. Well, I'm having a hard time finding the words for this, which is actually becoming more and more normal covering this team of late. 
But this time it's in a different sense. I have a lot of different thoughts kind of going around my mind. I did a lot of interacting for us on social media this weekend, and a lot of the interactions weren't good. And that goes why, to DC Apollo, right? No, no. I, those, well, I was on, those, I was on the Talking Halos Twitter <laughs> for the most part, just because it was easier. I was already locked in a lot of those threads. And there were a couple of things that really bothered me. Actually, got into it a little bit with one fan. It was probably a misunderstanding. It's in terms of just something simple as contention. And what, what does it mean to be in contention, vice, or versus being a contender? Just a lot of the little things that you normally wouldn't think about. And a lot of it is just out of frustration for where this team is right now. The overall perspective to me is, when did we suddenly discover that the Angels starting pitching wasn't very good? When, when did we finally just say, uh, hey, they, they aren't... <laughs> We've known this. We've known this. It's not no, nothing is being masked. Nothing's being hidden over. We've known for weeks the Angels starting pitching was in trouble, and all of a sudden we get upset when the pitching wears out. Of course, I've been saying, John, we've been talking for months now. I've been saying it. This bullpen is going to wear out once we get the dead of summer. Have I not been saying this? Yes, sir. I think I even have a Sporting News uh, MLB preview issue where it probably touches a little bit on our pitching situation. Like, I get that. But th- that is what's frustrating to me is we have folks who all of a sudden are acting like nobody else is out there nose in the problems this team has had and that they're not holding Apple and the team responsible. Here's my bite back to that. This team right now, they are a team of human beings who lost somebody very close to them. It changes how they're going to perform the rest of the year. It changes Billy Epler's plans for the offseason. It changes a lot of things because that one guy, Tyler Skaggs, was probably expected to re-sign and be back next year. That's yeah, a, a it, member of your staff. Now you got you have to rethink everything you're doing now and I think a lot of times, because we get so locked into the game, John, sometimes we get so locked into these guys as baseball players, we forget that there's a human emotional mental aspect to this game. Griffin Canning has not been the same since Tyler passed away. He hasn't been. Yeah, No, I know that. and we, We saw that the night, the first night he pitched after Tyler passed away. It affects these guys. And this is why you and I both came on the show and said... Whatever has to be the rest of the year is going to be. We both said there's going to be no hesitations. They, as long as they try, as long as they work hard, and allow is they get a mulligan. And sure enough, though, within about a month, we're right back to this now of going on social media and people are are angry at Epler and angry at the team and, and coming down hard on these guys. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, these issues didn't suddenly arrive but but what something changed Jared? because we even discussed it i looked at our last our last show plan this afternoon before we updated it and we said that angels played themselves into a position of contention and which none of us i didn't expect i don't know that you expected it i did that we played ourselves within a reasonable uh uh, uh <laughs> Contention. We were close. We, we were in contention. And that kind of really made Billy's, you know, the plans of we're not going to win this season. Uh, I don't have to make any moves. I don't have to give up any prospects. I don't have to spend a lot of money on on midseason uh, pickups before the trade deadline. And then they so they did that. And we and we even uh, even facetiously or truly said, you know, it's it's too bad they did. You know, it's they did this to themselves and now we kind of feel the fans feel and i even felt that we needed to make some sort of moves and now they've kind of brought us back down to earth they kind of they must have heard us and said oh whoa 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 and because now just like that we we went up we got a was it a high and then we crashed within a well, weekend baseball is a game hard. of highs and lows john it's always been that way it's been a game of streaks and especially when you have fairly bad pitching that things can go up and down in a hurry a really big hurry. This is why this is why I was like reminding you last show, John, what did we say two months ago? We said if there's a plan, you need to stick to it. You need to keep following through because this overall team was not going to be affected by going out and getting one starter. You could probably convince me with the right deal to go get a starter under control for a year, but overall 
you don't change the plan because right now that plan in motion is not about this year. It's about next year and beyond. And here but, we but, are, but and we're still is, seeing it tonight. Go out there and, and trade this prospect, this prospect, this prospect, and this prospect for for Stroman. Stroman's been traded now, by the way. So I just look at this and go, folks, we need to chill here, breathe, and think about exactly where this team is going. But, but the examples that we've used, Derek, have been like Houston, where they got really bad. And the problem is with the Angels is they're not really bad. They're just kind of fringe bad. They're fringe. And it, so that's what keeps well, people like me, gets my hopes up, and then crushes them John, they're on not, that Friday night. They're Pardon? not fringe bad. Fringe they good. Are, I meant, I meant they, like they're not bad. They're not they're bad. Medi- they're mediocre. They're not good enough. They have a strong lineup that's a little streaky. They have a bullpen that would be fine. It would actually be very good, in my opinion, if they were to get some rest. It's the starting pitching, and starting pitching kills. We can go back to the late 90s, early 2000, 2001 Angels, and we saw the same thing. They had no pitching. We had, those, we had Gary Anderson and Tim Salmon, all those guys, Jim Edmonds, and no pitching. But this honestly, this is the worst starting pitching staff I've ever seen on the Angels. And it's not close. And some of it is injuries. Some of it is, is losing Tyler. Some of it is the fact that you have guys who probably should not have been called up yet. Griffin Canning could have used our year in minors. He's almost there. Could have used some more time. Jose Suarez needed more time. These guys needed more time. And they didn't get it. This is what I this is what I tweeted on the uh, after the game on uh, Thursday night. And it's like, at, at this point... I. Yeah, I, I agree. These people, these pitchers that we have, most of them shouldn't even be in our starting rotation. They should still be getting seasoned. I mean, that's why I was saying, like, we need to make a trade. If we're going to make a trade. Buy. What was we were talking about? Sell, sell. So you know, we get rid of. A, again, I'm just throwing this off because I'm not a detailed guy. But get some middling prospects, which you said we could get for Cole Calhoun. Some just some people who can give us some innings. I mean, just some innings of pitching the way we're we're using five, but a middling four, prospect's five, not going to do that. Pitches, pardon? I mean, a middling prospect is going to be a middling prospect. It's going to be a fringe guy. It's not, I mean, oh. it's, he's not going to be a major league ready pitcher. A middling prospect is a guy who may at some point become an effective pitcher in the major leagues, but it's just no guarantee. He's never going to be anything, you know, star quality or even major contributor quality. The reality is, if you look at the actual guys in the bullpen, especially, you have good arms there. They're just overworked. And I mean, Ty Butch is a great example. Ty Butchery is a great example. Ty Butchery, it's obvious he's tired. His arm's a little flat. He needs some rest. And this team is not giving him rest. People want to get mad at Osmus. It his sometimes he, he sometimes his decisions make me shake my head a little bit, but. It's hard to really judge him because his pitchers don't go further than five innings. What's he supposed to do? What's well, he supposed to do? You know, at some point, I mean, and maybe we're, maybe we'll get to that. You know, eventually we'll get to the point where we really do, I guess, kind of unofficially un- uh, throw in the towel and we let some of these guys just stay out there. It, it, I think it depends. I think if you're, uh, they're more of a veteran, let them, leave them sit. Let them take it. I think if you are a Jose Suarez or a Griffin Canning, you let them go longer as long as you are working with them mentally. You don't want to ruin these guys mentally. You want them to grow mentally. And we don't know their psyche. Each person's an individual. And that's why it's it's hard to really say. The, the blanket statement you're going to hear on Twitter is, you need to leave them out there longer. You need to do that. Well, generally, yeah, you need to. You should. But each person's mentality is different. Each psyche is different. And you really need to evaluate where those players are. Do I think that Osmus has been handling them a little bit with kid gloves? Probably. Probably. But we really don't know where these kids are right now. And what he's, he's probably, honestly, he's probably just trying to protect these kids' future. He really is. I don't. I don't know why they're professionals. Even I know they're, some of them are young. But I don't know why you just can't tell them, hey, kid, you know, pitch your heart out. You know, it's not, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it don't, you know, nobody's holding you accountable. Because I mean, Griffin Canning was job. out there getting hammered 
at, at one o'clock in the morning or, tw- you know, and, and just wrong guy, wrong place, you know, because I think you did say people complain about Griffith. You know, it's like he wasn't even supposed to start that day, that game. And, and he was he was supposed to start the next game, excuse me, and just, you know, you just watched him get hammered out there. And and then, as, anyways, I could yeah, get but, to the other part, too. But you know. John, pitch, we, I mean, I'll use an example to you, Rick Ankiel, remember him? Yeah. Okay. It's it's easy for us to say, just throw him out there and tell him to pitch. Every pitcher is different. Every mind is different. And we've seen players ranging from Rick Ankiel to Chuck Knobloch, who were basically broken mentally at their position and were never the same players again. And I can understand to a degree what Asmus is doing. And also, we need to consider these guys are young. They probably have not pitched as many innings as they are going to pitch this year, especially Canning. We cannot forget that. You have to watch their innings they can't just run in there all of a sudden pitch 220 innings. So there's different things to consider. Before we move on, guys, I we, we got right into the conversation. We didn't say it yet. You know we're just getting started here. But if you like what we're doing, please check us out on Apple Music. Subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. We're also everywhere else. We're on Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. We're there. So... With Apple Music, though, we'd appreciate a five-star review to help us move the charts. If you want us to earn it, if you think we are doing an okay job, but you want to see us get better for you, you pop in that five-star review, we'd appreciate some feedback. You can email it to us at talkinghales at gmail.com and give us that feedback. We have been receiving a lot of really nice feedback from people. I've been getting it over Twitter, been getting a couple of things in email form, and it's been really nice to hear from you. We do really appreciate the encouragement, and we're doing the best we can to keep providing you coverage but there also are several new listeners and if you are enjoying our show please do us a favor and just keep spreading the word send a text to a fellow angels fan or a phone call or whatever hey i know this great new podcast for the angels check them out this talking halos we'd appreciate that it would really mean the world to us really would all right so john a couple other things and because i i, I want to kind of keep this a little bit organized this is a different format normally we'll break down each game i think it's a bit depressing, too, at this point. We, we know what the problems are. We know there are, are several different things. We do want to kind of pinpoint certain issues. We saw I saw a lot of questions today about Justin Upton and where he is. I have a couple of thoughts on that. Justin Upton, one, always been a streaky hitter, always. And sooner or later, he's going to figure it out and he's going to blow up for about 20 games. Am I wrong? From your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> okay. All right. But... It's also just to know, this is not an excuse, but it is to know, he's still basically in his spring training. He's had less than 100 at-bats yeah. thus far this year. He's Overall, we're not even talking about spring training. He has not been through spring training yet. So it's going to take a little bit of time, and everybody goes through those things throughout a year anyways, and added the fact that he's already, he's already a streaky hitter. He'll figure it out. Just will it be too late for him? I don't know. A lot of folks asking about trading him. We need to point this out. His contract is very backloaded, and it's going to take some effort by the Angels to move him. What will that mean? It'll probably be meaning eating a large portion of his contract. I doubt they do at this point. It'll be really difficult yeah. to do. Yeah, I don't see that happening. That's it's 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 so easy to say, you know, just to say, you know, trade, yeah, trade Mike Trout. You know, there, there's a contract involved in the situation. And again, a lot of these people that are complaining were thrilled when we resigned him. You know, we got him as it. We got him after the trade deadline. If you uh, it was two years ago, right? And then yeah, when I, we resigned him last year. He had a solid season, and. Um, I mean, what he did at the second half of the season when we acquired him was was good stuff, and he'd already come in with some great numbers. So, I mean, you know, well, uh, the, 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 the Monday morning quarterback thing is is real prevalent on on a lot of these things. But but hey, you know, it is a results game, and, and the complaints about him are fair complaints to make. There just needs to be some understanding, though. If you're going to make those arguments, make the full argument. This has been my contention all weekend. A lot of, to me, bad faith arguments about players. In Upton's case, you need to consider where he was with his injury, how many at-bats he's had, other factors as well. Also, complaining about his contract is, is silly because the you are not going to have front-loaded major league contracts. Now, you always are going to have 
backloaded contracts because when you have a salary cap, the luxury cap that will go up a little bit every year, that contract's supposed to follow it. So it does not affect mm-hmm. your team as much as time goes on. This is something that's done with pretty much every major contract. For that very reason, your pay always escalates as you get deeper. There's a reason why most of our backloads is very rare these days to have a front-loaded contract. So it is what it is. And you can get mad at Epler and say, well, that's a horrible contract. Well, maybe it is in terms of if you don't think he's worth it, but in terms of the way it's numbered, it's the standard. You are going to have that kind of contract. Other details things. in Twitter. Details in Twitter. They, they don't match. They, they, they don't go together. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it's it's not just Twitter. It's, you know, we see it on Facebook, and a lot of fans, bless their heart, are passionate about the team, but may mean are casual and don't understand all the aspects of it. But there are others who I believe just have Epler derangement syndrome. And because they have Epler derangement syndrome, anything that happens with him is a total train wreck. I just well, remember, remember when Epler broke, uh, or, you know, uh, Tom Listell's leg remember when you did that. Oh, he just walked out there and caned him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, come on. The fans have a point there, okay? It's Nancy (laughs) Kerrigan all over again. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Again, of all this mess and whatever, I can already hear him. Ah, What are they, bootlicker, bootlicker? But Epler's not the problem at this point. Um, A lot of this stuff was, yeah. Well, Let's let's iron some things out because this is the big debate that we've been in, I've been in numerous times. It's you you have a group of fans right now that want to see Epler out. And you have a group of fans who are pretty in some cases overly positive and are totally in Epler's corner. You know, the the quote unquote positive fans and then the ones who are hardcore and firing Epler and getting all over Artie as being the negative fans. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. The George Steinbrenners and the Al Campanises of the, well, of the, of the Twitter world there, right? <laughs> sure. Okay, so, I mean, let's... We've talked about the pauses. I, Billy Epler has done a solid job rebuilding the farm system. And what that means is you're taking it from last to probably about 12th at some point in the season. Now, the, the, the rankings going to fall down a little bit because you have several players who've been up the major league level this for a while this year and have lost eligibility. So you're going to see a fold. I think it's down in, I think Fangrass has it 17 and we have one player now in the top 100 that fluctuates throughout the year. And it's going to fluctuate again and ring next year when a lot of these draft picks who are starting to make an impact like Will Wilson down there in the minors start kind of working their way into the rankings. So that is something to consider. Overall, Epler's done a fine job rebuilding organizational depth, rebuilding talent, moving some people quickly through the system. There are some shortcomings. We have shortcomings in terms of high-level starting pitching. Griffin Kang is probably a, a number two ceiling right now. There's very few you could say are number one. Maybe that changes with this recent draft crop. There are some some issues, I think, at catcher. We don't have a really a strong catching prospect right now that may change. We're starting to see... A couple of guys maybe make their moves. So there are weaknesses still in the farm system. There's still some work to do. But the improvement in pretty short order from where it was is solid. He's done a good job. Finding bargains. This is where you're hit and miss. You you get Robles in a bargain. He did. Getting Buttrey, bargain. Lestella, bargain. Mm -hmm. Okay. Shohei Otani, bargain. And... His relationship with Mike Trout is a, is a major reason why Mike Trout's back. I saw a couple people poo-pooing that idea that, well, Trout was going to stay anyways out of loyalty and out of money. Well, really, he could money, no. He could have made $10, 15000000 more million dollars a year by waiting it out. He could have forced a trade somewhere sooner if he wanted to. There's a lot of things he could have done to not be an angel and be part of that loyalty to the angels is a loyalty with the general manager he's formed a bond with, which is Billy Epler. Epler involves him in a lot of things in the front office. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. You're running down that list of players, you know that. So, you know, fans they won't acknowledge that they got this specific player. You know, Listella. They got Listella. I mean, I guess it's easy to forget him because he's not playing right now. And you know that we got Otani. Um, 
uh, you are more of a history buff. When did we get David Fletcher? I'm looking it up right now. It's pretty recent. So that would be an Epler pickup too, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, you just look around. Look around the uh, and and, re- and resign Trout. I mean, he's he's got some solid. And we got some solid players that are going to be on that. They're going to be a part of this team for I would say, the next decade. Um, there, but John, there are some things that we need to get to be honest with Epler about and say, okay, yes, there are some flaws here. There are some mistakes he's made. We have to be honest with that part. And the mistakes he's made as he did not have a major league starting pitching staff that was full of depth to be able to carry this team through the year. And the first thing you will probably say is, Derek, we've talked about this. You've already mentioned that he went out there and tried to get guys. And you'd be right. Apple tried to get Patrick Corbin. He tried to get two other guys as well, Hop, and I forget his name, flew off the top of my head now. He tried, and they failed. But the, the response to that's going to be, well, see, Epler didn't close a deal. I don't, I don't know. No, nah, I don't agree with that. Well, then you and I are going to disagree. Because if you are the general manager of a team, and it's your job to stock the roster, you have to be able to close a deal on guys. And in this case, it didn't happen. We don't know the reasons why. We don't know... What were the factors? We don't know if Artie didn't release enough money or if Epler didn't make a strong enough case or if it was something else. But the fact is he didn't close the deal. He went out there and went to the next section of guys, Trevor Cahill, which to me I don't have a problem with. Cahill had had a solid major league career coming in this year. Steady, not a superstar, but an innings eater who will get some things done for you. He's your dirty worker guy. Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with Trevor Cahill. Nobody really saw him bombing out like he did this year. Matt Harvey had red flags, though. Cody Allen had red flags. You and I talked about Cody Allen's red flags early. Uh, you did, yeah. You pointed it out to me. <laughs> so I have. A, go ahead. Yeah. So, John. I mean, if we're gonna be if we're gonna be honest about free agents, he has not really drawn a major free agent on their own here outside of Shohei Otani in the last couple of years. The guys they got like Upton, they traded for. It's just what it is. I, I, I mean, I did. I think there are more factors. I don't know. I don't. I, you're. I don't know. I just think that there's more factors to. You know, you make a full price offer to an agent to a free agent. I mean, they they have choices. That's the whole point. They have, and maybe they have a, an opportunity to go. They see a better opportunity to win somewhere else. Though well, I, maybe though I got to admit, playing with Mike Trout would would should be a temptation for any free agent. Maybe. Maybe. I can't think for the life of me why, why Patrick Corbin would want to go play for Washington, mm-hmm. to be honest. That that ballpark to me is, eh. They just, they were they were going to lose Bryce Harper. I, I wouldn't, I don't know why he'd want to go play there. I don't know. So, the reasons change for every person, but the fact of the matter is, is Billy didn't close a deal. Does this mean that Billy's done a bad job overall, though, is a major question. And the answer is no. No, he hasn't. He's done a lot of good things. The Angels knew when they signed him to be the GM that this was going to be a long-term project. It wasn't going to be a one-year project. Anytime you deplete your entire minor league system of not just major league talent, but also just depth overall, working pieces, guys ranging from trade pieces to guys who can come up in like Garneau or Cesar Puelo, players like that come in there and do a, a spot appearance. You need those guys in your organization too, and well, well to those, be honest with you, they weren't there. The, things have never, things really haven't changed. I mean, it seems like we've been doing this podcast long, but we've only been doing it this season. And we've said early on that we're not even looking at at, at any any uh, hopes for this season. And we also said that if next season for our pitching staff, and we said if next season the the pitching staff isn't dramatically improved, that we're going to have issues. And th- that we're going to be much more vocal about yeah. that situation. So yeah. we're still in the same boat. We just had a really, I mean, we a just had a really high and, and low fall, fall down. And the pitching is is the is the centerpiece of that of of what the caused the failure over this weekend. That's really what it is. But to me, what disturbed me in terms of discussions with other fans, and really just a couple, 
is if you're going to make an argument about Billy Epler, use some common sense, use a good faith argument. The best argument you can make right now against Billy Epler is his struggle signing major free agent talent. That's your best argument. Your worst argument, in my opinion, is the farm system. We're going to say, well, what are you talking about, Derek? They're ranked only, they only have one player in top 100. You only have... Because, again, they just adjusted the rankings. You've had a bunch of guys up this year. I'll make this argument again. I will I will repeat it. I will shout it to the heavens. Name for me a team that is at least somewhat in contention right now, besides Tampa Bay, because Tampa Bay's had some problems too, that it's had to dig in to their farm system this year like the Angels have. No, I, I no. I mean, we, we've had a, a really uh, uh, event-filled uh, season that caused us to do, yeah to change plans multiple times. And again, our pitching staff is we have we don't have anybody right now on our pit that's in our starting rotation that was in our starting rotation when the season started. Uh, Pena. That, if that does, pardon, Pena. Oh, Pena. Okay, I'm sorry. So we have one. So I mean, I just look at that and go, you, you can trash the farm system, but. If you trash the farm system and you make that case, you need to look a little harder because that farm system is what has, has contributed enough to keep you where you are, to keep you above 500. You tr- try and make that argument to me the year that DePoto left, that with all the same issues that happened this year, that that farm system would have been able to support the major league roster and kept them above, and kept them right where they are. In 2014, 2015. Do you think they would have done that? No. And, and, and let me ask you a question because uh, I'm, I'm naive on this one. So the guys uh, on the on our squad right now that, you know, if we could pick, we could handpick them and say we'd rather they, in a perfect world, they're still in the minors. They're still, they're still in AAA and they're still working on their game. If we move all of them down, does that change our ranking? You mean if we send down Matt Tice and Canning? Canning. Well, this team would be tanking. I mean, all those they they can hold their head up at, at water. And I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying, I'm just re- referring to why our why our minor league system is ranked 17th. It, would did that change that? Well, it was around 12 to 15, depending on the rating system. Mm-hmm. But when all those guys graduated up, it dropped us. Yeah. So it would it would affect it. These guys, it some affect, of these guys yeah. that we probably in a perfect they're, world would rather still be working on their game. Well, they now should they're be. they're starting and they're coming in and, and they're they're relieving and they're playing the field mm-hmm. and they're Matt Tice was an iffy a maybe guy who would be up in September. He's up now. Okay, he just was starting to figure out AAA pitching and he was thriving. By the way. Then he gets up here. And, of course, there's going to be a couple guys out there who trash him, trash the efforts of guys like Walsh and uh, Garneau, who's organizational depth, and all the contributions they make because they overall have not played well at the plate. It's a team game. Matt Tice won this game today. It's the second game-winning hit this year. He won the game today. And a day the Angels really, really needed it. It was ironic because the same people who were just trashing Tice yesterday were, to me, and, and it just is how I read it. I could be wrong. Th- those folks were really apprehensive to give this kid any credit after the game. And so they focused, well, the team still lost three out of four. Right now, it's not about that. It's not about that. The, you know what? These guys are you're, you're, you're coming down on? three of the four. He wasn't responsible for three of those well, other three games. <laughs> here's the real issue. You're, as you as you go at these guys, as you tear apart these players, don't tell me these players don't. Some of them do, some don't. Some of them at least see what you're saying on social media. Some of them want to know where the fans think of them. Okay? And for Tice, for Walsh, for... Even Renhevo has been up for most of the year now. These guys, they are still developing. They're still becoming major league baseball players. And a lot has been put on their shoulders very quickly. Tice was not supposed to be up yet. He was not supposed to be up yet. And they called him up 
when the team was in Texas. Gee, what happened in Texas? Canning. Would we? Canning was to me a late summer arrival kind of guy. Uh huh. Suarez, September. The, were they ready? No. Yet let's go after these kids. Let's go after them. Argument someone made to me yesterday was, well, Ward's twenty five, Tice is twenty four. Yeah, you know what? They're both college dudes. That's why they're older. And they're both right there. They're both right there. And I don't know if Ward or if Tice are going to be great major leaguers, but you know what? You should be supporting them. You should hope they do well no matter what. You should hope every single one of these players do well because if worse comes to worse, if they're doing well, they're trade pieces to get the players you want. If they don't do well, then this system fails and you're not getting the players you want. But you want to trash them. That's what I'm ticked yeah. off about. That's what bothers me. These, these players have value. They have value to the organization much more than potentially being a starter on your team. They might be a starter for somebody else, but they bring you somebody you're going to need. If I am truly caring about this team's future as a fan, you you better be hoping these guys do well. And you better be thinking, you know, well, give them some credit when they do something right. They're young guys to me who had no business being up here this year. They're not supposed to be here. They're supposed to be down the Myers developing. They're supposed to be fine-tuning their craft so they can come up here next year as this team is beginning its move to contention and contributing then, not now. That's how I feel about that, and it ticks me off to see them get trashed like that. Congratulations, Matt Tice. He deserved to go out there today and get that. I was cheering for him. I was... I don't like to show bias on that. For the most part, my goal was to be objective, to be a full thinker on this, okay? How dare you root for an Angels right. player, Derek? You know, How dare because you? There is a large journal inside of me, but I'm moving over the commentary realm right here, and I was very happy to see Tice do what he did. And it's becoming clear now that Tice, just like he did when he got the AAA, he was slow getting the AAA, he figured out the pitching, and you started seeing his numbers blow up. And he has a very good eye, by the way. He had a lot of walks. The same thing's going to happen up here, too. It just takes time. He's starting to hit now. Another thing, too, if in t- down there in AAA, guys like Tice, they're playing every stinking day. They get called up, they're not playing every day. They're not seeing pitching every day. That matters. But yeah, we're not thinking about these factors. We're just going to go hammer these kids. It bothers me. Well, well I, I, and I understand. Like I said, some of these kids shouldn't even be up here right now, and, and because of the circumstances, they are. And then, I mean, so the moral of your story, if I think what you're saying is, it's and again, I'm not, I'm not uh, saying you know, go for a free free for all, you know. But when you're critical of a Justin Upton, a Cole Calhoun, uh, uh. Who else could I think of? Uh, Albert Pujols. These are these are veteran guys who, you know, obviously are making a lot of money too and have expectations. These are guys that that it's if you're going to be critical of somebody, that's somebody to be critical of. But not not don't be critical of a, of a kid who probably shouldn't even be up here right now, but because of the circumstances they are, and hopefully we have a long future with them. Well, that but also if you're going to be critical of anybody. Make sure you have your case right. Somebody argued, and again, anybody who was part of the discussion, I'm not being, I'm not, this is not personal towards you. I'm taking an overall discussion. But somebody did argue yesterday that Griffin Canning has been, hor- has been horrible. I mean, it hasn't gone over five innings all year. And my response is Griffin Canning was doing just fine until what happened with Tyler because you know what? It affected Griffin, obviously. But Griffin's also gone beyond five innings seven times this year. So you're not even arguing in good faith anymore. You're not, this is all about if, your Epler if if, syndrome. If they're insulting him, if they're attacking Griffin Canning specifically, they're attacking him from when he came in after after midnight uh, on a, of a 16-inning game. I mean, and that he was supposed to start to, on the following Friday. So, I mean, yeah. Well, I, again, I... Yeah, and, and I, I was also, frustrated because I'm frustrated with the situation that creates it that we had to have him come in. That's it, what frustrates me, not him, not Griffin Canning, but the fact that we had six, sure. I think it was eight pitchers, or I don't even know how many we had that, but several of them pitched one inning. Uh, 
multiple pitched one inning during that game. That's what frustrates me is that we're stuck in a situation where we're pulling a guy to pitch that was scheduled to pitch the day before. The next well, day, excuse in, me. In fairness, though, you were trying to – he Alice was trying to protect a staff that was already tired. It, it's it, People, I think, underestimate – how important it is for a starting pitcher to at least get six innings, if not seven. Six innings is gold. If you can't get six innings, it really just tears apart the entire makeup of your relief core. So what he's trying to do by you know an inning or so for each reliever is trying to keep them as fresh as possible, thinking there's no way this game's going 16 innings. And by the way, Fletcher was safe. Oh. And if Fletcher was safe... Griffin's not even going out there for that second inning. Don't get so. me started there. You saw my wife. My wife made a meme. She was that we were, yeah, we would all have been home. We'd have been home at a regular hour. We should have won the game. And you know the worst part is, Derek, the worst part is, is we were there at the game on Friday, and that was tank top day, and they didn't give us tank tops when we left. Okay? <laughs> Don't, you're bringing back the bobblehead memories now. We were at now. a game <laughs> at Angel Stadium on Friday, tank top day, and they didn't give us a tank top. Ridiculous. All right, All right folks. Well, I think we've I think we've covered everything there. A little bit different. This is kind of a little bit of an event. You know, here's the reality. The Angels are going to be fine. They're, they're probably not making the playoffs. They're probably not going to be close. The plan is next year. If you're an Epler critic, you have your your arguments. You have your rights there. And you know what? Like we said before, we'll be right on board. If this starting pitching problem is not solved this offseason, the way things are reading online and social media, I'm seeing a change in attitude towards the front office right now. If this isn't solved, this, there's going to be a little bit of fan revolt there. We're seeing it. So what I'm saying, what John's saying is if Billy Upwood does not fix the starting pitching problem in this offseason, then you, you have every right to criticize. Let's just give it a little bit more time. He has, to me, I think he's earned the right to at least see his plan in terms of the farm work to a degree. All right. You know, just to, just to, I think a lot of the people that are ripping Billy Upler are the same people who were ripping Mike Sosha last year. Uh, and and you know, you know so I, I mean, saw a couple people call for Sosha to come back and be the general manager now. And I'm thinking, <laughs> dude, you were just criticizing Sosha five months ago. So all yeah. season. All yeah, right, folks. Anyways, we're looking for sponsors. So reach out to us, talkinghillsandgmail.com. If you like what we're doing, you want to help us keep the lights on here. John, as you know, has a back cave at this point. We we could really use a little bit of help to, you know, be able to bring you more and better coverage. Can we also use a voicemail at. Six five seven six 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 five four five three. Our listenership is gone off the chart, much higher than I thought it would. And I just want to let you all know we really appreciate that, and it's helping us feel encouraged for covering this team in the future. Okay, so it is getting close to our time to go, but before we do, here's our preview with Tigers SRD Chris Brown for our preview of the Detroit Tigers. Here you go. All right, folks, I am here with Tigers SRD's Chris Brown. Welcome back to the show for him. A couple months ago, we sat down and talked a little bit of Detroit Tigers right after we kicked off the podcast. So in a short amount of time here, he's moved on. You're doing different things, by the way. This podcast is getting a little bit more age to it. And here we are again with two teams who are in a little bit of a different place than they were a couple months ago. So, Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How you doing, Derek? It's a wonderful night full of joy and cheer. The Angels just finished off a, well, ended a three-game losing streak to the um, Orioles. Orioles. Yeah. Rough week. Uh, rough weekend. So, we're all right. We're all right. And I saw the Tigers struggled a bit today, so I guess I have lots of questions for you. But I also know you're doing some different things as well. What have you been up to? Yeah, yeah. We. Uh, I've been... You know, we're doing a weekly podcast. I was doing the daily podcast the last time we talked, but it got it proved to be too much for me. But we're still doing weekly podcasts, trying to cover the team. It's really difficult with how bad they are this year. But uh, yeah, we just started in the last week. We started a new uh, website called Tigers Minor League Report, which has uh, a top fifty prospect board. It's all free. Like these are legitimate scouting reports from you know in in game views, and we've got 
video and pictures and articles and all that stuff. And it's uh, it's it's pretty cool. We've got some good traction so far. I was just out uh, last night. We were watching their low A team, and I was able to interview one of their top prospects, Parker Meadows, and also uh, their manager, Lance Parrish, you know, former Tigers great. So that was pretty cool. And that's uh, you can find that all on the site. But I don't know how, how much that's going to appeal to Angels fans, but that's what I've been doing. So it's staying busy with baseball at least. Well, I mean, just getting some baseball knowledge out there. And last time we talked, you mentioned the fact that you really believe this is a long-term rebuild. You're talking 2023-ish at this point. So for you guys to actually get down there now and get to know what the Tigers are doing to actually fulfill kind of that mission to have a rebuild that's successful in uh, about four years is probably good for fans to be able to hold on to something. Hey, we, okay, we see these guys developing. We have good information. I wonder if the if we have any folks with the Angels who would love to do that. <laughs> i got to think about that. Let me ask Jared Timms over at Diamond Digest about that. So getting into this series tomorrow, you guys are coming down to Anaheim. It's a three-game set. Two teams, I think, that are, are hurting a little bit. The Angels have lost three or four. Their pitching has been devastated with... Uh, of course, losing Tyler Skaggs, and afterwards, just lots of innings. Basically, the entire pitching staff is tired, at least relief-wise. The starting pitching is basically minor leaguers at this point. They're minor leaguers, guys who shouldn't be up yet. They're not quite ready yet, but they've had to step up, and it's been rough going. For you guys, it appears to be not not too much better. What can you tell us about the Detroit staff right now? Yeah, it's it's not all that different uh, here. There, there's uh, you got a couple more veterans, I suppose. You know, they've got one really good starter in Matthew Boyd. He pitched today. He's continued to pitch well this year. He's had some home run issues, but other than that, you know, he's he's got one of the best strikeout to walk ratios in, in all of baseball. He's one of you know one of the best strikeout rates for starting pitchers. So he pitched well again today. Wasn't enough because they blew it in the eighth and then lost in the tenth, I believe, maybe the ninth. Uh, but yeah, behind that you've got. Jordan Zimmerman, who they gave this giant deal to, and it's just been a huge albatross for them. He, he's been one of the worst pitchers in baseball over the last few years. And, and as a matter of fact, I think right now his ERA is something like 7.7. 7. 7.57, man. 7.57. Good gosh, yeah. Which is, uh, I, I look back, I think it was the fifth worst ERA for any pitcher who's thrown at least 60 innings, any starter, since 2010. Uh, and, you know, obviously the, the season's not over, but he just... He just doesn't have it anymore. It's it's kind of sad to see. He's he's trying things. He's trying to throw a sinker, which is just you know nobody throws those anymore. Based uh, basically, and uh, his fastballs like eighty eight to ninety one. He's got a good slider, but he can't locate it anymore in the curveball. And it's just yeah, it's it's sad. And they owe him another twenty five million dollars next year. So that's been tough to watch. It's it, every now and then he will put together a solid start or at least a solid four or five innings. But things just the wheels seem to come off for him. So that's been rough. And then, uh, yeah, behind that, they've had a number of injuries. Their second best starter this year was uh, their rookie, Spencer Turnbull, but he's on the injured list now with shoulder troubles, I think, which is something that's that's uh, dogged him throughout his career. And Daniel Norris, you know, was a highly touted prospect in one of their big trade acquisitions back in 2015. He's been pitching a little bit better as of late, starting to come into his own, but he's still, he's really hit or miss, and he he's not quite the guy that the Tigers thought they were getting. He's only throwing in the low 90s. He, he got up to 94 the other day which was kind of nice to see because he'd been down at like 89, 91. So he, he might be getting better. But, uh, yeah, it's it's rough. And beyond that, they've been just calling guys up from AAA left and right. The, the Drew Verhagen, who I believe you said was starting on Tuesday, mm-hmm. um, he's a guy that they, I want to say they drafted him in 2012, and they've b- bounced him back and forth between the bullpen and relief uh, like a dozen times. He's actually been designated for assignment two different times by the team, including once earlier this year. But they brought him back up because they're just—they seem to be doing anything they can to avoid bringing up their top prospects this year. And you know, most of the top pro- uh, prospects are, are pitchers, so they're trying to avoid bringing up Casey Mize and Matt Manning and guys like that. I guess to manipulate the service time, which I guess w- when you're working on a timetable that maybe extends into 2023, 2024, mm-hmm. that's probably the smart thing to do. But with pitchers, you never know. You know, they only have so many bullets, so. Yeah, it's just been it's been a real rough watch. They've been calling up guys like Ryan Carpenter and Tyler Alexander, and it's just these are not legitimate major league pitchers. Although Tyler Alexander has pitched well, but I don't it, trust it. It's interesting you're saying that. I think I'm thinking also of our guys like Griffin Canning, Jose Suarez, guys. We I, I didn't think we would see at least until September, if mm-hmm. not later. Griffin was probably going to come out. I think 
August or December. I think it was heading that way. And to me, just from the way I'm viewing it, another possibility would be you don't want to risk these guys' mentality. You don't want to. Mm-hmm. We talked about you know on our show earlier, the first part of the show you just recorded, in, and uh, you get into a rookie's head, especially a pitcher. You might be doing some permanent damage, and maybe considering how bad this team really is, they're trying to save that and trying to save them. I'm I'm watching Griffin Canning struggle a lot this year, especially after Tyler died. He was really affected when when Tyler Skaggs passed away, and seeing Jose Suarez struggle mentally at times this year with the just the burden of trying to keep this team afloat. I can understand there will be other reasons besides service time to keep keep players down. Yeah, and something we talk about on the show occasionally because. Most of their top pitchers are, are currently at the double A level, and that team is in the thick of a playoff hunt. And I think sometimes that, that's not the case in Triple A Toledo, or certainly not the case in Detroit. So I think sometimes organizations just want to keep guys in that competitive environment, and, and you know where they experience the thrill of games that really matter. Uh, so I, it's not one of those things where I, like I'm I'm not upset that they're not calling these guys up, but it's just the the alternatives are, are, are really hard to watch. So it's you know I mean. Yeah. I got some numbers for you for, for how they've been doing. So at the end of April, the Tigers were 13 and 14, which is probably about when we talked. I don't know. Right about uh, there. Yeah. Uh, since then, they've gone 17 and 57. They are, uh, they, they've, uh, they lost tonight, which is their second walk-off loss in three days. They've lost six in a row. They are one and 12 in their last 13 games. They are three and 19 in July, uh, eight and 39 since the start of June. So, yeah, they're 40 games under 500 for the first time since 2003, which was the American League record 119 loss season, and they are currently on a pace to finish 45 and 117. So this is, I mean, this is one of the worst teams uh, that baseball has seen in a while, and I was not expecting that. I was expecting them to be bad. I actually thought that the, the offense would be okay, and it's been the worst offense in baseball, and, and that's, you know, we were talking about the pitching, and that's that's like their high point this year, so it's it's ugly. Well, if they're going to get healthy, they might get healthy in Angels pitching. It's been pretty rough. That We just had an extra inning game on Thursday night that just jacked up the entire pitching staff. This is a bullpen that we have over here that's already worn out and tired, and then they went 16 on Thursday night. And it was just the rest of the series with Baltimore is pretty brutal in terms of the way the Orioles, who have been hot, by the way, for a 35-70 team, have been, they, they really beat up on the Angels pitching this weekend. So you never know. You might see that offense come alive a little bit. You have Jaime, Jaime Berea tomorrow. He's got a 6.63 ERA at 4-3 record. So uh, let's, let's see yeah, what yeah. they do. I, I, I was kind of uh, keeping up with what was going on there in the Angels and Orioles. And it is, it's like, you know, that might sound bad to tell you that a really bad team is coming into play because you just saw the Orioles, the second worst team in baseball. Mm-hmm. They were the worst for a long time until the Tigers went on this skid. So yeah, you, I mean, you never know in baseball. The Tigers have histor- historically played really poorly out in uh, against the Angels in California, and I wouldn't expect it to change now. They're, they're probably in the next three days they're going to lose their best hitter, most likely in Nick Castellanos, and probably their closer Shane Green. So they'll be down. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they'll end up on the Angels, and maybe they'll trade Matthew Boyd, their best pitcher. So I mean, the Angels aren't scheduled to face him, but it, it could get even worse for the Tigers here. And yeah, I, I, I guess it's just. You know, they came into this year uh, emphasizing, hey, we're going to cut down the strikeouts, and they lead the league in strikeouts. They've had three games where they've struck out at least 17 times, including one 20-strikeout game, you know, tying the major league record. Mm-hmm. So it's – and even in this era with, like, yeah, strikeouts are more acceptable, like, they're just really bad. <laughs> they can, they have very few guys who can hit. Miguel Cabrera is an absolute shell of what he once was. Uh, it's really hard to watch. He's, he's not hitting the ball hard at all. I, I think uh, he might have – with the isolated power, you know, the slugging or batting average, you're slugging minus batting average, basically just designed to to tell you how much power a hitter has. He's got like the third or fourth lowest in baseball, he, like ahead of just like flat hitting middle infielders. It's 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 tough, man. What happened to him? What happened to Miggy? Uh, you know, I mean, he had these injuries. He had the back injury, and and he's got a knee injury now, and it's just it's really hard to figure out. He can still hit, or he was for the first few months of the year. He was still hitting. There's been talk about him, and he's now a permanent DH because of this degenerative knee condition he has this year. Uh, so there's been there's been talk about him being overweight, and out of shape. You know, he was never like a really skinny guy, at least uh, not since he was young. So that could be a part of it. 
I don't know. I wish I knew because he's still like 6'4", 240 pounds. You'd think he'd be able to hit the ball hard, but he's just not. He's, his exit velocity has dropped like five miles an hour this year, and uh, I it wish I knew. It's really weird. You, you, and I think we actually talked about this before. It's like when you start getting up there in age, you either lose your power or you yeah, lose your, your batting. I think we talked about that, didn't we? And, comparing the pool holes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pool. And it's been strange. For average. Mm-hmm. Pools has hit two home runs, two home runs in the last couple of days. Still can't hit for average, and it was really weird because when the Angels went out to St. Louis and they had the whole big celebration for Pujols, they did a lot of comparing on screens and showing the batting stance that Pujols had then compared to now. And you, this is where you realize what happened with Pujols is all those injuries to his lower body altered his his batting stance to the point where now he's developed holes in his swing to where he just can't hit like he did before. He can still, when he catches it, he still has a power there. But those holes that were not weren't weren't there ten years ago are there now and it's all that stands. And I would love to see some stills on Miggy to see how different perhaps his stands is now compared to say ten years ago. Yeah, you know it's I haven't noticed anything one of the things he used to always do he, he he could hit for power to the opposite field he was really good at that and you know obviously it takes a lot of strength and it just doesn't seem like he has the strength anymore so he's just kind of a singles hitter up the middle now when he makes contact and i'm just looking here his his isolated power is 30 points lower than david fletcher's Holy he, uh, mother mary gosh it's only ahead of joe panic yolmer sanchez and miguel rojas uh, so yeah he's got five home runs this year hitting 275 it's uh, I mean, how yeah. much longer is he having his deal? Like three, four years, I think. It's, Boy, yeah, like I, I, he's not going to end that deal in Detroit. They're either going to cut him or he's going to retire. I think unless some there's like a miracle bounce back next year, or you know the the proverbial dead cat bounce they call it. But I don't see it. It just doesn't seem to be there anymore. And uh, it's it's really tough to see this guy who was you know one of the best hitters in baseball just four or five years ago and it just it seems like he's done done for well i mean i just can't it's just hard for me to even fathom this guy who was just so he's such a wonderful hitter across the board just that's what he is now uh, just real quick here tuesday you mentioned drew verhagen he's already verhagen i keep wanting to say i, I keep wanting to say verhagen it's um, you know it's fine it's, it's <laughs> Just let it happen. <laughs> one and one, fourteen point four zero ERA. Um, Griffin Canning three and six, uh, five point one ERA. It's a little deceiving. He was in the threes until uh, Tyler Skaggs passed away, and he hasn't been the same since. I don't know. At, at some point, he'll he'll come back around. Maybe against the Tigers. Can you tell me? You mentioned that Verhagen has been up and down, DFA'd. What's his stuff like? He's got decent stuff. It's a fastball that's like 92, 94. He might touch 95. He's got a, a kind of a big loopy curveball and a slider. And there's some movement on his, his fastball, but he's just he's a guy who's never had pinpoint control. That was kind of his uh, – they drafted him out of Vanderbilt, and, and he was a reliever to begin his career. And that's just kind of been his calling card. And in, the, in his first game back in the majors this year, he – he was pitching pretty well, I think, through three innings and then gave up five runs in one inning. It was partially aided by an error, and then he gave up a grand slam, and then the next inning he hit a dude in the head. And it, was like, it wasn't like, I'm angry and I'm going to throw at your head. It was like, oh, this is a, a guy who might not belong in the majors. Good so, gosh. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, one of those, it's like the Tigers have a lot of these guys throughout their system where they've got, theoretically, they have good arms, but there's just there's no command and there's no, yeah, it, it basically, just, it's just like, yeah, you belong in the minors. So what's wrong to me if you have that many guys in your system? And I'm trying. I don't want to be critical because Lord knows we have problems in our own system. To me, if you have that many guys who lack control within your system, that tells me either you're not scouting too well or you're not developing well. What is the problem overall, at least from your view, with the well, the control development? Yeah, no, I think it's a little bit of both, and that's been an issue for the the Tigers system for a long time. Is is the the sort of profile of the players they would draft for a long time? They would take these hard throwing right handers from the SEC, you know, Southeastern Conference, and guys who were starters in college, but uh, you know they had a, a fastball in the mid nineties and a, a fringe average slider, and they would try to work them as starters in the minors, or then get them into relief and. 
basically there's just been a nonstop parade for the last half decade or so of these guys who will throw 95, 96, but their slider hangs over the plate and they can't locate the fastball. And it's like, I don't know, things have gotten a little bit better on the development front. You know, they got uh, Matt, Matt Manning was their first round pick a couple years ago, and he was he looked like a, a bit of a disaster in his first season. He was his velocity was dipping in the high 80s, and his delivery was all messed up. But they've really gotten him on track the last few years. He's a super athletic kid, so he's now he's now you know top 25, top 30 prospect mm-hmm. in baseball to some sites. So the, the development's there. They've got a, a ninth rounder they drafted last year who's rocketed through the system. His name's Tarek Skubal. Uh He's now a fringe top 100 prospect. It, it's it's sort of uh, I would say vaguely reminiscent of what Griffin Canning did, although from a ninth rounder, just just kind of blowing up, and and uh, he's pitched really well. He's in Double A now, so they're that they're getting a little better on that front, but there's still this kind of the vestiges of that old profile and development uh, path hanging out in the major league roster. So so it's an issue. All right, man. Well, here's the magic question: Do you have any kind of predictions for this series? Pain. <laughs> oh uh, man. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I think. I think yeah, I, I'm now having flashbacks where I think the last time I was like, yeah, they'll win that game and they'll lose these two. I would, I would think that the game with Daniel Norris, they'll have a chance, and then the Verhagen and Zimmerman won games. I, I suppose it's possible Zimmerman could have one of those those random games where he pitches pretty well. And you said that's a, Jaime Berea, I think, who's yeah. uh, struggled a little bit. I I would almost guarantee you the Angels take at least two, if not all three. But, uh, yeah, that's that's about as good as a prediction I can do. I just want to tell you that when we had the Baltimore guy on last week, he said the Angels take three out of four, and I agree with him. And then the Angels drop three out of four. So I am not going anywhere near that, man. I'm going nowhere near that. So, hey, thanks so much again for coming on the show. I'll be, be thrilled. And hopefully next year we can talk again. And uh, both teams are in a better place, I think. The Angels have a lot of, you know, we're, we're above 500, but it's – there's a little bit of a dark cloud there with everything that's happened. And, of course, I'm hoping to see, I'm hope you know, for your sake, to see some development out there. Can you let folks know where they can find your work, again, where they can find you on social media, all that jazz? Yep, so you can find me. We do weekly podcasts with Tigers SRD, and there's a whole bunch of other podcasts on there, too, like with entertainment and stuff like that, not just sports. Uh, and the Tigers Minor League Report is at TigersMinorLeagueReport.com. You can follow that if you're interested in Tigers scouting reports. Maybe, who knows, uh, you're way into the minors, and you can just find me on Twitter at, at Chris Brown zero nine one four. There's a lot of Chris Browns out there, so uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. And I'm I'm kind of curious what uh, just just uh, as an aside, if you think they're going to have Otani back in the rotation next year, or if they just like him as a hitter so much now. Well, that's a that's a source of controversy within the Angels fan base. There are many fans who believe that he should just turn around, and focus on his bat, and not worry about that. But the reality is, without him pitching, that's all he is the bat. He isn't. He's not in the field. He's um, he's well. He's a pitcher. Yeah. And the the thing is, is the Angels. One of the reasons he signed, he chose the Angels, was because the Angels were very proactive on telling him, yes, you can be a two way player. Yes, we will be. We'll support you wanting to pitch. We will support you also hitting. And that was one of the main things that really drew him to picking the Angels. A lot of other teams didn't want to do that. And the Angels, by the way, also understood that, hey, there's some injury issues here. We may see him tear you know, his UCL at some point. He may need Tommy John search at some point. And they still said yes. So there's a, there's a lot of good faith between the two sides. And, and they made a promise. I really expect them to at least give it a shot one more time to see him on the mound. And the Angels, quite frankly, need it. They need him to come back and and not necessarily be the same guy he was, but be a guy who can, at the very least, man the middle of the rotation. Yeah. No, it, it, it's one of those things I'm kind of interested to watch because he's a great story for, for you know, national, international story, not just for, for Angels fans. So Absolutely. And the one thing that I really like about him is there is nothing negative in terms of his behavior. His, he's just positive attitude. He goes out there and gives everything. He's a perfectionist. He works hard, and it's a shame that this had to happen to him so early in his career because you never know how a Tommy John arm is going to respond. You just never do. Sometimes these guys come back and they're better than they were before, and sometimes they're never the same. So it's a shame. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks again. We really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you next year.
Sounds good. All right, thank you. All right, John. Well, here's hoping there's no sweep. You know, we, here's hoping. <laughs> we have no predictions for this series coming up again tomorrow night. I'm not going to ask your thoughts. We'll just kind of see how nah, this goes. I don't have any uh, thoughts. Yeah, I think I'm all thought out. It's okay, a folks. Day thing. <laughs> don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talking Halos. If you would like to find us on Facebook, you can search for our page there, which is. Hey, hey talking halos find me on twitter at derek c paul dc paul john crane at jake's crane john don't forget us on spreaker apple music iHeartRadio, spotify we are very much just everywhere at this point it's been a pretty big accomplishment for us to get out there as, as far as we can and besides that john any final thoughts for us Hey, I told you this, Joel. Tell me, I was walking into the Angel game on Thursday night, and I had some cards in my hand. So as, as I'm walking in, I pass Angel fans, and I say, "Hey, you know, I got a, a new pod, Angels podcast. Appreciate your support." And the guy said, "You already gave me one." And he goes, "You guys do a good job too." That's nice, huh? I appreciate From all that. the fans. I find the same one. <laughs> <laughs> and funny, he complimented. I told him, "Well, give me a five star review." <laughs> <laughs> For the entire team here, for John, this is Derek C. Paul saying take it easy. We'll talk to you midweek as it's almost time for Cleveland. And, yes, I'll be there next weekend. Have a great one, folks. We're out. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.